All right. Well, hello, everybody. Brian Zimmerman here, executive editor of Jazz's Magazine, here to welcome you to another episode of the Jazz's Last Call. If you're watching with us on Facebook and YouTube, and to the Jazz's Backstage Pass, if you're following along on the podcast forum. Uh, fans of jazz guitar, I hope you are watching this episode. Today, our guest is the one and only Norman Brown, an award-winning contemporary jazz guitarist who has sold over two million albums in his extraordinary career. He has been called one of the greatest, most articulate guitarists out there by none other than George Benson. Uh, his new album, Heart to Heart, is due out August 7th on Shanaki Records. It is really good, really grooving. Um, it includes a tribute to Wes Montgomery, so you can bet we'll be talking about Wes. If you're watching and you know someone who has a question for Norman or wants to talk about Wes with a jazz guitar legend, make sure you click that share button and let them know. Let's make this a real jam session. Let's make this a real hang. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Anyway, it is last call. Norman is backstage. So, hey, what do you say we go one last round with Norman Brown? Norman, are you there? There he is. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. Uh -oh. The guitar is at hand. Hey, man, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here, man. Uh, as our longtime viewers know, the first thing we like to do, it is the last call after all, is start off with a toast. We Ooh. drink someone, something, some place, some idea. So, Norman, who, what, where, when, why are we honoring with this glass? Who? All the beautiful ancestors that left us this wonderful art, right? Where? Past, present, and projected into the future. Hey. Yeah. Right this moment. And why? It's because we're blessed. We are grateful to be on the right side of the dirt. Yes, 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 sir. Hey, man, cheers to that. There you go. Oh. We get a lot of toasts on this show, man, but that had to be one of the best. Thank you, uh, Hey, before we get into things, people watching, you are going to want to listen to Norman's new album when it comes out August 7th. And that's where our sponsors come in. Uh, that would be Cambridge Audio. They are makers of some of the finest audio equipment in the world. Check oh. out their incredibly stylish premium Alva TT, the world's first Bluetooth APTX HD turntable that lets you put the turntable anywhere in the room. More info at cambridgeaudio.com. And again, before we really get rolling here, People watching, write in. Let us know where you're watching from. Say hi to Norman. You know, we're going to be talking Wes Montgomery. Let us know your favorite Wes album. Let us know if you've ever seen Norman live and how it changed your life. Again, this is a jam session. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question or two, and we'll get to it on air. Uh, all right, Norman, man. This Heart to Heart, beautiful album. Beautiful yeah. album. Absolutely grooves. And it is exactly the kind of album that we need right now when we're all kind of in isolation, uh, distanced, socially distanced. Uh, so, Norman, what that title, first of all, what does that mean to you, heart to heart? Uh, I tell you what, we are interrelated. We are interconnected. Therefore, we are interdependent. So let's spread the love, y'all, heart to heart. That's the best way to make this planet the best and for us to live in what I call optimality. <laughs> love it. I love it. No, it's beautiful, man. And the, and the grooves are excellent. You kind of draw from all of your influences. And so I actually want to start there a little bit, back at the beginning for you, uh, to talk about your loves. Because I've read, back in the day, Jimi Hendrix was your man. 
Man, I heard Jimmy Hendrix play the guitar and it was over, dude. I saw my brother playing in the living room. And so I said, oh God, I was stuck. So that was eight years old, man. And I started playing the guitar ever since. I used to sneak his guitar out of the closet when he was going with his buddies, right? And uh, about a year later, he busted me. And I said, oh, goodness, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He says, man, I didn't know you wanted to play. What do you mean, I started playing a little band of gypsies. Yeah, man. Right? <laughs> And he says, wow, I didn't know you wanted to play, man. You played in the Jack Boy player. He was bad. But I heard Jimmy play, and it was a rap, dude. He had it screaming, hollering. It was so expressive. Yes. Um, yeah, I wanted to do that. Yeah. Very cool, man. I mean, do you consider him, he was so advanced. Uh, do you do you consider him, you know, like a jazz player in certain regard, just the way he thought about harmony or conceptualized well, things? That's a very interesting question, bro. I never tell you, man. I'd have to give him those props because... Jazz, the biggest thing is improvisation. Okay, and Jimmy came up with some brilliant, brilliant stuff. I mean, if you listen to Machine Gun, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You better get ready to take a nap after you listen to that. <laughs> so, yeah, very yeah. cool, man. Did you ever see him live? I never yeah. seen him live, no. I never saw no. Him. Yeah. Follow-up question, man. Is your brother still playing guitar? My brother's gone as well, man. Oh, sorry to hear that, man. Well, you're carrying on. You know, he gave you his guitar, gave you permission to learn, and carrying on two oh, traditions. Wow. Real guitar, actually. He yeah. did. Yeah. He my very first guitar. Yeah. was custom gifted Les Paul, man. Took me to the music store one day. He graduated, got a job at Chilabo. This is doing good. Let's go to the music store. We go to Big Dudes Music City in Kansas City, man. And he says, wow, you know, look around. I look around. I grabbed this Les Paul. This thing was beautiful. Custom it was like three grand back then. And uh, he says, that's the one you like? I said, yeah, man, this is the one. I said, but I know it costs too much. He said, oh, you got the salesman. I had that guitar, man. He was the bottom. My whole family was supportive, I got to say. Awesome. Awesome. And what kind of music was being played in the house? A little bit of everything? Because I know another big influence was the Isley Brothers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm one of eight children, right? I'm next to the youngest. So I heard everything from Rudy Ray Moore to B.B. Yeah. King, Wes Montgomery, Mahalia Jackson, Earthland Fire, Wild Cherry, AWB, Commodores. It was all of that stuff pumping in the crib, man. They had, we had the big stereo on the TV in the middle, you know. Yeah, man. Records on cool. the floor. Yeah, it was really cool. Very cool. And so what kind of groups were you playing in early on? You know, because Kansas City – Awesome musical tradition, tradition, especially in jazz, man, with Bird coming from there. And, you know, so what kind what were your earlier first bands, so to speak? What were you playing in? Uh, man, the first thing I was in was, you know, high school band, of course, a junior high, high school band. I had to learn saxophone because they didn't have guitar. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I played saxophone in the band, I played tenor in the symphonic orchestra, I played baritone in the marching band, I was a drum major. And then I played upright bass in the symphonic orchestra. Right on. Well, outside of school, I was playing in the local punk bands uh, in the beginning, you know. We played Psychops. Psychops was parties that the high schools would have. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, the guys I was, play I was playing with were in high school, so we played at the Psychops at the little parties uh, after school kind of thing. And we were playing the punk stuff that was on the radio, and I did that all the way up until I got to, after I graduated junior high school with the high school, my band director from junior high school, he had one of the top quartets in town, Bishop Cunningham Quartet, and they needed a guitarist. And he came to my house one day, man, and check this out, Brian. It happened to be on the day we were going to bury my brother, right? Wow. 
He didn't know. He came to me, he comes to the house. Yeah, no, no, we need a guitar tonight, Steve Carter. Let the groove and we, you know, I'm gonna give you the shot. I said, well, man, I told him what happened and I can't do it tonight. Now my sister Mary, who made me practice. No, he'll be there. He's coming down to play tonight. Wow. My brother, we wanted him to play tonight. So yes. That's what I did. And that night I went down, I played my first game with the jazz quartet. It was all the Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's something special. That's that's a sign, man. Uh, very cool. And hey, everybody watching, thank you for saying hello. Bunny White watching on YouTube. She wants to say hello. Uh, Luis Ray and Afford. Hello to all of you. And thanks for writing in. This is awesome. Um, Norman, man, Wes Montgomery. Mm. I would love to talk Wes. Who was it that got you into Wes? Well, that was my father. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so my brother one day. He says, I'm going to get daddy to buy you a guitar. We'll go Saturday with him, hang out. We're going to do this thing. And we're talking to him to get a guitar. They come home Saturday evening with a guitar. And my father and father, right? So now I got my own. And he goes, later on, he says, man, I see you're serious about the guitar. Come down to the basement. I go to the basement. And he goes. Beautiful sound of Westville. Yes. There you go. So he told me, if you learn this song about West Montgomery, I'm going to get a car that you can. <laughs> Very cool. So you were coming to him from the later West, kind of when he was doing the stuff with AM, right? That was a label. Oh, um, was it Capital A? That's right. Yeah, yeah. You when know, he was doing like Day in the Life and covering the Beatles tunes. and Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's what I got hit to West. <laughs> But I went on research and I went back. Right. So explain that a little bit. You know, Wes, because self-taught cat, uh, didn't start playing until I think it was in his 18, 19, which for a lot of jazz music, that's kind of a late start. Um, and he came up with a lot of unique techniques to say the least. So yeah, explain that a little bit. What was he doing with his hands that was unlike anybody else? Well, he's practicing one day and his wife said, his voice is a little too loud. Can you turn it down? <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> so instead of turning it down, Wes figured, oh, okay, I'll just play. I won't play with the pick. You know, I'll just play with my finger. And he started playing with the finger. <laughs> Yeah. Give it that warm sound, right? Yes. And he started a whole new style of playing guitar. Man. Yeah. That's amazing. Just like that. From, you know, trying to turn it down, not too loud for the neighbors and the wife. And he went to the pit and then he started doubling the notes. Right. Those octaves, right? It's like the signature West sound, right? Was anybody really doing that, you know, before him or to the extent that he was? Wes only had uh, Charlie Christian to listen to. Right. Yeah. Charlie Christian, you know, one of the first electric guitarists in jazz, you know, for people watching who don't know, played with Benny Goodman's band, right? Sure did. Absolutely. Yeah. And then there was right. Freddie Green with the Cal Basin band. Freddie. Yeah. There's Freddie. He's a real estate guy. Yeah. Then we asked Wes to listen to. 
And uh, you know, you can tell his lines came from Florida Press. But yeah, he found that awesome sound. I think he's probably the first one to do that, man. And it just like, it became a signature thing, right? Yeah. Now. You know, you hear that, you know that's wax. George did another thing on it, though. Okay. Jensen took the octave and he put a third or a fourth in the middle. Hmm. You know, he got that sound out of it. Yes, yes. Very cool. Um, yeah, and so who else? You're, you're getting into Wes. For a lot of people, that is the way into jazz guitar because nobody swings like Wes. Who else did you kind of discover on your path then as you're getting into Wes? You know, your Grant Greens, your Pat Martinos. Who was <laughs> Grant Green absolutely was another cat. Yeah, man. Grant Green was another cat that my father listened to a lot, man. And Kenny Burrell. Ooh, Kenny, yes. Yeah, Kenny Burrell and Grant Green. I listened to those guys a lot. And, you know, Grant had, he had the more of an R&B funkiness. Absolutely. Yeah, say, right. And actually, Grant used to, he would see a lady that lived across the street from me when I was very young. And whenever he came to Kansas City to play, he would spend time with her, and she would call me down the street. Norman, Grant's here. Come bring your guitar. Come bring your guitars. And I got to sit there and uh, just hang out with Grant for a bit. Oh, beautiful, man. He was Grant was one of one of my favorite guitarists because I'm a trumpet player, but I try to play guitar. And to me, Grant Green thinks like a horn player almost. You know, he's got those beautiful single note lines. They sound so simple, but he plays them with like a, a soul and a groove that is almost impossible to match. That's the thing. You listen to Grant Green and you hear, I could do that. You try it, and that's not the case. I've heard a story. I don't know if it's true or not, but it was a Grant Green concert once, and Grant was up there playing, and there was a table of guys at the back, you know, all trying to keep a low profile, scribbling notes, and the bar over went over there to see what was going on. And it was like George Benson and Wes and some other cat just trying to like <laughs> copy down licks. Yeah, because yeah. Grant was awesome, man. I think it's true, man. George told me about that. Yeah, very cool. So, George, yeah, you have a friendship with George. You know, he called you one of the best out there. Um, tell me about that. When did you meet George Benson? I first met George Benson. I was uh, teaching at Musicians Institute. He came to town to play. Okay. And uh, we had just had a seminar done by the great Phil Upchurch. Okay. Phil Upchurch, guitarist. Upchurch, yeah. And he played behind George for a long time. Yeah. And he took me to the concert. He took me backstage to meet George, and uh, that was the first time we met. And it was it was very inspiring, man. I mean, after that, we just kind of you know we ran across each other on festivals and concerts, and we developed a friendship. He invited me to play on a tour with him on one of his records. I got to do a tribute to him actually at the um, one of the um, cruises. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah, he's a beautiful cat. He is. He really is, man. And he, a lot of people who listen to his later stuff, where he's singing, uh, which is excellent, forget that he started, you know, with Dr. Lonnie Smith and organ trios and, you know, straight ahead jazz chops for days. Um, yes. That is an unfairly talented dude who can sing and play. Um, I'm going to tell you, man, he was actually a vocalist first. Oh, yeah? Wow. Yeah. Oh, was, and then he learned guitar? Five, six, seven, he was singing. And he started playing the guitar so that he can accompany himself. 
He can shred. Yeah, George is a bad cat. He has a unique way of playing, George does. The way he holds his pick is, is like none other. I think it's it's scientifically probably the most efficient way to pick. Uh -huh. Right? Uh -huh. So it's like, you know, he's like drawing. It's just like drawing. Right. You know, relax that is and loose that is. Yeah. Right. Just doodling. Yeah, it's just like that. It's just a strong hold with two fingers like that. Sometimes with the thumb up. It's a very interesting technique, and I had to adopt some of that to my playing. Um, I used to pick with the whole arm, like a rhythm guitar. I would pick my single notes like that, but then I started developing like a knot. Right? <laughs> I've been there, dude. Yes. Yeah. So you got to get, you know, efficient. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Do you feel like a lot of the best guitars still come through that rhythm player route? You know what I mean? They're starting the rhythms because that's a that is a fine art to itself. You know, a lot of people think it's just strumming, but rhythm guitar playing is a fine art. Rhythm guitar playing is the bomb. Guitar is the bomb. How many instruments do you know that can fit into any situation? Yeah. Country, you can find a bass guitar player in the country. Classical. Jazz, rock, R&B, bluegrass, folk. Name any kind of music, and guitar has a place there. I don't know any instrument like that. I don't think we know of any bluegrass trumpet players. For <laughs> I don't know any. Might be hip, though. Yeah, I don't think people think about guitar like that. Yeah. But it's such a versatile instrument, and it's such a personal instrument. It's not taught in the school system, so you have to kind of learn it on your own or find a teacher who you to do it. That's true. Yeah. Um, the other instruments have this thing where, to a, like for horn players, you guys just blow, and you get a sound. You get the sound from your wind. Piano players just mash on it. You know, they mash on the piano, the drummer beat the drum. We have to do this whole picking thing. We got to coordinate picking this right string at the right time, the right stroke with the right note in the left hand, and navigate through this. Middle. Yeah, man between these strings here. So my right hand is, is my air. Yes. <laughs> full body, full brain. No, it's it's it, it's tough, man. Very cool. And everybody, watch, thank you for, uh, again, chiming in. Gary, Kesha, uh, Jay or Jai, uh, Connie, hello. Thanks for writing in. This is awesome. Gary saw you in uh, St. Louis opening for the fabulous Grover Washington Jr. Uh, my first gigs. Grover put me on. Really? With Grover? How did, how did you two link up? There it is. He was so cool, man. He would come out and watch our sound checks. Uh, you know, he wouldn't cry. He always had a tour of us, but he would, right. he would love to just stand there and watch that sound check. Bro, we want to continue. Eric Gale. Yeah. Another great guitar. It's Eric Gale. Yeah, man. Beautiful. You have such a bluesy sound, too, man. And, you know, so many of the best jazz guitars and rock guitars, too. too. I mean, Jimmy was a huge blues nut. You know, he was a total fan of blues. Um, so what's your blues background like? Were you listening to that kind of music? Were you ever in a blues band? or? Yeah, I did in Kansas City. I played with yeah. behind a singer, man. He was actually, uh, this guy studied when he talked. Hmm. I mean, he could barely get a whole word out. Yeah. When he sang, it was straight through. Wow. So we played a blues, I played a blues gig behind him for like 
nine months, man, five hours a week. All the way to my hood. I love that gig. And what is it? What is playing the blues like that? That is deep, heavy blues. What does blues teach you about playing jazz? You know, the kind of stuff that's on the, the new album. I tell you what, man, blues is your glue. Blues mm. is what is that uh, common chord. You hit the blues lick and everybody knows something, feels something. Yeah. It, it, it's the common chord that touches the spirit of man. I got to say it, you know. You can hear it. You hear singers do it. You hear everyone do it. It's in all forms of music. Just that. <laughs> go, oh, I feel that. I, I feel felt that. that. I'm, I'm sure people watching did. Biggie yeah. King is the one note king. It teaches you to do more with less, you know, fewer chords. You sustaining those notes, just pouring your emotion into every note, man. And so, yeah. And you hear it on the new album for sure. So let's let's talk the new album, Heart to Heart. Um, so first, did it come, how did it come together? Was it kind of during lockdown time or you had this all in the can before, you know, everybody kind of went into you know, it? We did have to do a lockdown time. Wow. Yeah, so we brought home and it was this is going to be the quickest album I've ever made. The labels always said, oh, you take too long, you take too long. But, you know, i got to get it right, that's all. Because I play what the music tells me to play. Right. You know, I don't try to, you know, force anything. And, right. But this time, being at home all the time, there was no traveling. Um, and it was amazing. I worked with four great producers, man. I worked with Jeff Warner. Jeff featured Jeff Warner, we did together. Uh, Paul Brown, my boy, he's on there producing his tail off. We got the great Phil Davis down here in Atlanta. Uh, did some beautiful things. And uh, my boy, Big Dog, Chris Big Dog Davis. So the record was, uh, it was a blast to make, man. And nobody saw anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot of file sharing. Now, were you playing, you were playing keys too? You playing any drum pads? You doing anything like that? No, man, I, I play guitar. Yeah. And I stick to guitar. I <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, my demos, you know, I, I get in here and I program and everything, but I love to put the live cats on. There's nothing like that live. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have live horns on there too, right? Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Real tight horn section on there on uh, a couple of tunes. Were you ever you get into the horn band scene? You know, your Chicago's, your Earth, Wind, and Fires, your. <laughs> I love that you answer everything with the guitar, Nora. That is the best, man. <laughs> Because that's I love I love that combination of a tight, super tight horn section and just like a chanky guitar. You know what I mean? And oh, James Brown. I'm sure you can James Brown, the great Jimmy Nolan, right? Yeah, man, I love those real horns. We use David Man arrangements and also um, oh my Paul's guy. I forgot what he is now. Oh dear me. 
But it's a beautiful whole arrangement on this record. You know, I like to fill up the music horn. You know, yeah. start with that heartbeat, and I equate that to the circadian rhythm. That's the rhythm I metabolize the balance to, that the earth spins to, you know, movement of energy. Mm-hmm. And so that's your drummer. Yeah. Sarcastic rhythm, your heart, heartbeat. And then that flows to a certain vessel. That's the bass. So the bass is giving you the melodic, the, you know, the tonal aspect of the groove as set on the bottom, keeping everything pumping right. Yeah. And set on top of that, you know, you got to have something alive. So a melody is living in that. And in that space in between, that's where you get the grass, the bushes, the flowers, the trees, the sky, and the background, and you fill it all the way up like that. Yeah. And then the music is complete. And that's how I like to hear my record sound. So we do right the drums up to me, and then we fill it in with some horns, some strings, some pads, some keyboards, some orchestration, baby. I love it, man. And it, it is a really a nice album. Everyone listening is coming out August 7th. Again, the name of the album is Heart to Heart. You mentioned you work with Jeff Lorber. There's a tune on there. Ocean Breeze kind of has that uh, Caribbean vibe to it. What was it like to work with Jeff? You know, he's we just had him on the show recently, actually. How does he work? How is he, you know, in terms of production and laying down tracks? And what does he do differently? You know what I mean? Jeff, man. So Jeff and I have been trying to work together on the record since the beginning of my career. Oh, cool. Yeah, we kept saying, man, let's get together. Okay, okay. We finally get to work together. Jeff is a wizard, man. He really is. That's what he's old Jeff Lorber Fusion, right? Jeff Lorber Fusion. The wizard, yeah. But yeah, no, this cat is it's like endless ideas. His energetic thing is really pumping. He just gets going and gets going and gets going. And it's just like the the future, you can see it because he has so many ideas he comes up with and he keeps going and he lays those beautiful keys and his arrangements, his arrangements are the bottom. He always knows where to put sort of a shout course yeah. or, you know, a break, uh, maybe a breakdown when we play together kind of thing. He always manages to find that in, in, in a tune somewhere. I appreciate him for that. Yeah, he's the bomb, man. Yeah, now Jeff Lorber was up. Like I said, he was just on the show. It was funny, got Jeff Lorber Fusion. You were playing a lick from that. He, uh, I think it was their third or fourth album, Wizard Island, introduced a young uh, soprano saxophone player named Kenneth Bruce Gorlick, who of course would go on to become Kenny G. So Jeff has the ear, man, for talent for sure. Very cool. Hey, I want to get in. We have a little uh, section at the end here that we call call and response, where we just do some, you know, quick hit questions. I asked you, you fire back. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to let everyone watching know about, uh, you know, we mentioned Fusion. Here's our summer 2020 issue. It's all about the age of fusion as a, a young Chick Korea on the cover there. Uh, this has already been mailed to subscribers, but all the content from this print issue is available as web articles on our website. You will need a digital subscription to read them. But fortunately, we're offering Jazz's Last Call viewers and fans of Norman Brown a special subscription rate for just 99 cents per month for, nine, for three months. You get unlimited access to all of the digital content on our site. Plus, we'll enroll you to receive our next print issue coming out in September. That is all about the art of the album, listening to albums, collecting albums, producing albums, album cover art. That's what I'm saying. You get the digital issues. You get that print issue come September. So sign up now. You got it. How, how's your record collection, Norman? Great idea. What you doing? Yeah. I'll do. I'll tell you. I, you're a vinyl guy? 
yeah, I'm a vinyl guy. I love the thing. I'm with Duke Ellington. There's two kinds of music you said. That's good and bad. That's it. That's right, man. I love good music. I love great music. And uh, fans, you don't know how much I love performing for you, making it for you. Yeah, man. So is there. We're going to do a. We're actually going to do a concert to launch this record. We're going to okay. do a virtual concert right here at the crib. We're probably going to go by the lake. We got a little stage out there in the back. And we're going to do this virtual concert. And I'm going to play live with a band, all those tunes from the record. That's beautiful, man. When's that taking place? That's going to be uh, August 21st. So be looking out for that. Okay. Mark your calendars, everyone. People watching. We got Lolita. Hey, Lolita. Latanya. Hello to Latanya. Uh, Gerald. Hey, what's up, Gerald? Pamela. Thanks for writing in. Lori. Thanks for writing in, everybody. Brian's doing a beautiful job. Jazz is all the time. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, so you want to get in some real quick call and response here. Here we go. Okay. Do you recall your first paid gig ever? First time. Yeah, it was actually that night. It was that night. That was the first one. It was the first one. Wow. That was the first one right now. Wow. That was special. That was a sign that you were on to something big, man. Okay, how about this? The best advice you ever got could be musical, could be non-musical. Well, the best advice I ever got was to take care of yourself and everyone else around you. Yeah. yeah I think from the micro level, that'll make the whole macro in the world better. So I, that was beautiful advice. Take care of each other. Yeah, man. So true. So true. How about this one for the, all the guitar nerds out there? What uh, What's your model? What are you playing on? What kind of axe is this? What I'm playing right now is the George Benson. This is the GB10. But hang on the wall. You guys can't see it. I got a 67 Johnny Smith that I love to record with. A GB20. I got my Norman Brown Singleton guitars. Uh, I got some Norman Brown Eastman guitars. Oh, yeah, man. Give you a quick sneak peek. 67 Johnny Smith. Wow. German Spruce Age. This baby's uh, 35 grand. That's the bottom there. Wow. But the Singleton guitars, you guys see them when I play it live. Here's what that baby is. This is the cool box. Dig that. Yeah. So check those out. Very cool, man. All right, I got a question for you. You know, guitarists and bassists, they're like this. You know, they're tight. Who are some of your favorite bassists to work with now? And who do you wish you could have played with, you know, like historically? Ron Carter. Yeah. Definitely. Charlie Mingus. Okay. That would have been amazing. Yeah. That would have been amazing. Uh, these days, I record with, uh, he was, my goodness, Fred Washington is great. I mean, he played on the After the Storm album. Uh, Tony Dumas, upright player, is bad cat. He played on Lydia. He's a cat played on that. And then we got the new school of guys, man. We got Alex Al. Alex Al's a bad man. He played with Michael Jackson a lot. He's actually a student who I taught at, right? Yeah. Um, Nathan, my oh my goodness, Trish down here and Sam Sims, it's incredible. Yes, right on, man. Yeah, you got to have chemistry with your basses, you know, I mean, with the whole band. But guitar and bass is tight for sure. Hey, how about this? We're all in lockdown now, but back in the day, you were doing your fair share of traveling. Uh, where were some of your favorite spots to go to around the country? 
Tokyo. Oh, yeah? Oh, we're going international. <laughs> I love Japan, man. Well, the audiences there love jazz is what I hear. Yeah, absolutely. Really but appreciate it. Nigeria, I've been to Ivory Coast, Uganda, South Africa, Mozambique. Beautiful over there, man. I love going there to play. I haven't gotten to Europe much, though. I only get to Europe to play on these cruises. And I went to Portugal. That was beautiful. They had 25 attendees from 25 European countries there. Wow. Yeah, the one in Spain, I did that one as well. But all over the U.S., everywhere here is, is the model. Yeah, man. Very cool. Bunny White is writing in on Facebook. She's reminding us. Michelle, you dig your cello on bass? She's great too, Bunny. Absolutely. And she also wants to know, Bunny wants to know, what's your favorite album? Okay, so we can narrow that down because, you know, that's pretty broad. So maybe something you've been digging this month. Did you say Michelle and video cello? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, Bunny did. You know, she's reminding us all. Yeah, when you're talking basis, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> remember Michelle. Her record, Plantation Lullabies, is the bomb. Yes, yes. Your favorite, you know. When Marcellus Black Codes. Okay. Definitely a favorite. George Benson and Earl Clue collaboration. Joe Sample, Ashes to Ashes. Those are my favorite records right there. We can't leave out the EWL from fire, man, you know, and that's the way to work. Yeah, beautiful, man. We'll end with this, uh, and maybe we'll take some audience questions at the end here if there are any. But, you know, Heart to Heart is an album that's all about connection. Just like you said, it's about connection. It's realizing, I read it in the liners, that we're all human and that connection is from heart to heart. You know, you know, beneath everything else, it's heart to heart. Come on, man. Right. You see, yeah, you seem so grounded, man. You are grounding me. You're putting me at ease. How are you just getting through day to day? These really tough times, man, for musicians and just being, you know, locked down. And what's keeping you going? So, world, check us out. We always, every day, I know all of us at some point said, man, I wish the ground would just stop for a minute and I can just, you know, catch my breath. Here we are. The silver lining is that we get to reset. You get a chance to not have to report. You get to go outside, work on yourself. And, and everything close to you, it's on the micro time now. This is a beautiful time. We've lost some beautiful people, absolutely. Yeah. Of course, we all know that's out of our hands. That's the creator doing this. So let's be grateful for the time we had with them. No grieving. We celebrate in their lives. That's what we do, right? Yeah. But remember, man, this is the silver lining. Reinvent yourself. Learn something new. Catch your breath. Learn to meditate. Clean out that garage. <laughs> I need to do that. Yes. <laughs> it's time. No more excuses. Beautiful, man. Well, thanks for that advice. I want to open it up to some uh, audience questions here. Gerald had a question about teaching. Are you doing any teaching and anything going on online uh, with the Musicians Institute? What's going on, Norman? Thanks, you mentioned that. Yes. I have a partner, Ron Bosse, Bosse Online, right? We okay. started doing master classes. So I did the Norman Brown master class, master classes called Musicianship. There's four of them. Improvisation, technique, composition, and artistry. And basically, I, we, we did these classes every Tuesday in June. We had a Q&A afterwards. And 
week I've been doing private lessons uh, on Zoom. So I'm back to teaching and I really love that. Now, that went so well, we started a school. So we call this the Brown, Norman Brown Round say Burning Academy, baby. All right. <laughs> a burning Academy. The Burning Academy. We're going to launch that with this new record. And this is a place where I'll get to set in groups with groups on guitars, one-on-one on guitars, with my master classes. So y'all check out, stay tuned for the Burning Academy. All right. Very cool, man. Now coming up as a kid, did you ever think that you'd be teaching? Was that on your radar? Was that something you were open to or? The last thing I wanted to do, bro. <laughs> I hear you, man. I'm going off again. That's what I'm going to do now. If I go to college, I'm just going to be becoming a teacher, and I don't want to do that, you know. And I had a serious talk with my band director, and he surprised me. He said, "If I was you, Norman, I would get some more knowledge on music theory and get out." He said, "When you play, man, you need to go out there and really become an artist." I said, "You mean really?" He said, "It's okay not to go to college." He said, "I didn't say that." He said, "I said you should go and learn theory." and further your skills, and you should get out there. So I found this place called the Musicians Institute. Yeah. You know, the Guitar Institute. And I went there and studied for a year, graduated, and I became a teacher. So I taught there for 12 years, but I never thought I would be a teacher, man. And I'm learning so much. Yeah. That's incredible. And, and what are, you know, we don't want to give away any secrets here, but I'm, I'm sure we have a lot of aspiring guitarists watching, myself included. What are just some fundamental things, you know, you could, a student comes in, maybe one thing, you know, you try to just adjust in him or her, or, you know, just to set him on the right path, you know, something we could start working on now to start sounding a little bit closer to Norman Brown. Oh, that's what's up. That's a great question, dude. And look, I take all beginners, all intermediate, all advanced. I teach everybody, man. I got a couple of students that just bought a guitar. Yeah. But the biggest thing with guitar is you got to first be able to get around this man. So I developed these sort of uh, muscle memory exercises, maybe you call them. Okay. They're just things to keep your fingers in shape. And like I said, we got to get our wind in shape from guitars. So you got to work on your alternate picking in your right or left hand if you left handed. But it's just a downstroke, upstroke, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Up. You go all the way down the strings at the bottom, at the top, stroll and upstroke. Slow until it's perfect. And then you add your fingers. All the way up the neck and back down. This will give you some dexterity yeah. and some ability to get around the guitar. And those kind of exercises, man, you can do while you're watching a game. You know, they're mindless. You just sit there. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's a great start right there. Beautiful. You make that look easy, uh, Norman. People watching, uh, that is absolutely not easy. So, man, very cool. We're all going to have to start working on our alternate picking people. Um, very cool. Norman, this has been excellent. Thank you so much again for joining us on The Last Call. Again, Heart to Art, the album, coming out August 7th on Shanaki Records. The virtual concert, remind us again, August 21st. 21st. Okay. 21st. And the... 
the, the academies, you're offering classes now. People can start signing up, checking you out. Absolutely. You go to Bosse online and you can sign up for the Logan Brown, Ron Bosse, Burning Academy, man. And we're going to, you're not going to walk away if not burning. Trust me. <laughs> Very cool, man. And if people wanted to follow along all things Norman Brown, where's the best place to do that? You're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, you're on all that stuff? Yeah, I'm on all the social medias and norman.brown.com. I have a, uh, also a streaming site I call Norman Brown TV. That's on Vimeo. So that's uh, normanbrown.tv.com slash TV. Okay. And we have a lot of concerts up there. We've live streamed. We've even done some pay per view concerts, man. So we've been doing this live stream broadcasting thing almost two years now. We started a long time ago. Um, I have a talk show up there with some great guests, the late, great Mr. Freddie Cole. Actually, wow, yeah. I got to interview him. That interview is there. Will Downing, the funny man, Don D.C. Curry, the Kung Fu master from End of the Dragon. Uh, nice. Oh, beautiful. That sounds awesome. And not just strictly musicians. You got, you know, people who love jazz. I bet those are some great conversations, man. No, speaking of great conversations, Norman, this certainly was one. Again, I thank you so much for stopping by the last call. This has been excellent, man. Right, man. Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you guys everything you've done all these years. We love you guys so much. Right. It is absolutely yeah. our pleasure. We need y'all to keep supporting them. You got to keep supporting them. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And ditto for Norman. You know, now's the time. This stuff, a lot of stuff is streaming, but now's the time to buy the albums, to buy the merch, to pay for the streaming concerts. Let's support these artists that make the music we love, you know. Um, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. August 7th. Johnny Records. Norman Brown, I will see you backstage, man. I'm going to sign off for people watching at home. Wish everybody a good weekend, but I'll catch you in the green room, friend. Remember, interconnected, interrelated, therefore we are interdependent. Let's keep it going. Love to love, heart to heart. Amen to that, man. Amen, amen to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is a track on the record called Amen. Right. I want to spin it, people. You're going to want to spin it. Cheers, Norman. I'll see you backstage, man. Cheers, baby. Wow. So thank you to Norman Brown, the great Norman Brown, for coming and hanging with us, for playing some licks, for talking about the album, for talking about Wes. That was incredible. If you like what you saw, hey, follow us on Facebook, follow us on YouTube. We come at you live every weekday at 8.30 p.m. Make sure you hit that uh, notification bell on YouTube too so you know when we're coming out live. All right, that'll be it for the last call today. I'm gonna shut down the bar. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Thank you so much for watching, everyone. Have a great weekend. I'm Brian Zimmerman. Bye.